This is the Louis Bellina Show. Lunchtime, lunchtime. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Rudy's Barbecue. This is the Louis Bellina Show presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. Here's what's going down. Here's what's going on between now and 1 p.m. We will continue SEC Media Days with Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss head coach. At 12.35, we head out to the Smoothie King Hotline, and we will visit with Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery. It's our monthly beer recommendations, matter of fact, with Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery. And you still have time to text me. Well, why? I've got spots on the party deck at the Bombers game. We call it Listener Appreciation Night. We do it each summer. You'll get two tickets to the party deck at the Bombers game. We've got all you can eat, all you can drink, and great door prizes. We want, we, Brian Broadcasting, want to thank you for listening to The Zone. There'll be other radio stations there too. Peace Gospel, La Hefa, News Talk 1620, Candy. There's more. Oh, Maverick Willie. The whole family's going to be there. So if you'd like to be there too, text me your name and your email address. Name and email address. Text now 979-693-1150. And we're gonna draw about five spots, which covers almost uh, you know, our part of the party deck. Good luck. Name and email address. All prize. Eligibility rules do apply. I do have to share this. Okay, this is why I love the Texas Mobile One Loop Express inbox. When I say I never know what I'm going to get or find, it's the truth. So two different people told me we still have a winter schnitzel in town. I remember when we had one college station over here on, uh, I don't know, it's it's where the chicken place that's now closed down used to be, right? The winter schnitzel used to be there. And I used to hit that place up. Well, I love hot dogs, okay? Wiener Schnitzel had the right price on them. But one person says we still have a Wiener Schnitzel, but they don't tell me where. But then Josh in BCS says, good news, Louie, exclamation mark. There's still a Wiener Schnitzel on Texas Avenue near downtown Bryan. Now, I go to downtown Bryan all the time. I don't know how often I go near downtown Bryan. But Josh and BCS... Here's the game plan. Here's the blueprint. Here's how we're going to do, right? When I get off work today, I am driving down Texas Avenue until I get out of Ryan. I'm just going to, I'm here, Crystal Park Plaza, until I see a wiener schnitzel. If I find this wiener schnitzel, I'm promising you, I'm taking advantage of National Hot Dog Day. It falls into my belief system. I love hot dogs. So thank you. But again, there's a helpful way of telling me where it is and the unhelpful way of there's still one and stopping right there without telling me where. Come on. You got to finish. You got to the rest of the story. 979-693-1150. Text me your name and email address. You might win a spot for listener appreciation night. Join me at the Bombers game on the house. Two tickets. All you can eat. All you can drink. We'd give away great prizes too. Text 979-693-1150. Ah, uh, uh, college football notebook, SEC media day notebook, all the above, any of the above. Yesterday, Olin Buchanan joined me live from Nashville, and he had mentioned how 
We were talking about the troubled children of the greatest recruiting class ever, Texas A&M, and how troubled they are is that there's like three of them now. We're talking four and three-quarter stars, five-star players who are already gone from the schools they transferred to from A&M. They didn't make a year, 12 months, just like they didn't really make a year at A&M either. And the latest is Smoke Bowie's no longer at Georgia. So Chris Marshall didn't last at Ole Miss. Smoke Bowie didn't make it at Georgia. And, and you know, I don't want to say who else I think because, you know, if he didn't, that looks bad. But some of these players, you know, it's two schools in two years and they haven't been at either for 12 months. Do better homework on the recruiting trail would be my recommendation. 979-693-1150. Dan76 sharing direction. Louie. Heading north, that's on the right-hand side right before you get to the courthouse. That is where the Wiener Schnitzel is near downtown Bryan, which it's National Hot Dog Day. They got four chili dogs for four bucks. I'm going to head there and buy three packs of them and I'll have 12 chili dogs for 12 bucks. And man, will I pay for that mistake. ESPN did their SEC predictions. They used their FPI. They come up with projections and formulas. ESPN tends to have the absolute worst formulas, worst projections, and worst predictions of anyone alive. When they just let their experts pick, it can be really good. But when they use formulas and numbers, ESPN never wants to say using projection line dog house woof woof plus. They always want to, ESPN has to say according to our own. So they always create their own for everything and it's always garbage. But ESPN has eight and four. That's what they have using their uh, FPI, M-I-C-K-E-Y, F-P-I-O-I-I. I don't know. But they got A&M and 8-4. and four. It's not unrealistic. That's pretty solid from 5-7. and seven, But they've got 5-8. and eight. Oh, oh, I know. I'm doing a lot of O-O today. There's just so much going on. But my boy Dave Bartu, College Football Matrix, we had him on for the first time in a couple of years. He's going to be a part of our upcoming college football season, this I know. And we had him on because he did a massive project with CBS Sports grading every positional coach. And it's not about head coaching. I mean, they all have grades already, but he did O-line, cornerback, safety, every coach, D1. And he did this in partnership with CBS Sports. And I don't know if you followed up with it because, of course, I do. I watch everything Dave does. I think he's the ultimate with analytics as far as talking about college football. Anyway, they've been going about every three days, so twice a week, conference by conference, and the best coach by position by position. It has been fascinating. You know, when you got Dave Bartu and the numbers to back you up, on the coaching rating index, they convert your score into the number of stars, kind of like recruits, right? So you have the five-star coach is the best, 90 to 100. A four-and-a-half-star coach is 80 to 89. Four-star coach is 70 to 79. The average grade is 3.5 stars, 60 to 69. That's the average coach across all coaching, all grading in D1. And the system itself creates a bell curve distribution. You know, to me, that's grading itself against itself. Dave finally, and I think it was yesterday, and if it was Monday, I don't remember. But this week, Tuesday, I believe, 
released the SEC first and second team coaches based on their grades. Nick Saban is the head coach. Out of a score of 100, Nick Saban's 98.53, and he might be the highest graded coach of every and any position of any league. Nick Saban, head coach, 98.53. First team offensive coordinator, Josh Heupel pulls an 85.02. That's four and a half stars. Defensive coordinator was Brad White at Kentucky. Pulled four and a half stars. 82, if you're wondering about the actual grade number. The special teams coordinator was Pete Lembo, South Carolina, 82. Quarterbacks coach was Philip Montgomery Auburn, 94. That's a hard five stars. You start getting mid-90s, you're getting into the best grades available. The offensive line coach was one that fascinated me. Rob Sale at Florida got an 88. And did you know that Florida's offensive line allowed the second fewest sacks in the SEC last year? 13 and you know, 13 games. Their rush offense ranked number third number three nationally in yards per carry. So with all the struggles and all the woes Florida had in, in year one of the Napier era, their O-line only allowed 13 sacks, and they ranked number three in the nation in yards per carry. Their offensive guard, Osiris Torrance, who transferred in from Louisiana, which is where Napier coached, but All-American, their first consensus All-American guard in program history. So I think you see you get, wow, you're building in the trenches. Uh, Napier might be laying some concrete. They got a tough schedule this year. Running backs coach, I got this one. This did not take Norman Einstein or rocket science, but uh, the Georgia running backs coach, Del McGee, gets a 95.8. Their receivers coach, Jacob Peeler. I say they, SEC. This is the coaching grades. Dave Bartu, college football matrix, final first team. But Missouri, Jacob Peeler, 82. Tight ends coach, knew this one too. Todd Hartley, Georgia, 83. Defensive line coach, Spencer, uh, Sean Spencer, Florida, 81. Linebackers coach, knew this one, Glenn Schumann, Georgia, 91. Yeah, I knew all the Georgia folks. DB's coach, Wesley McGriff, Auburn, got an 80. One of the lower scores, but it's, and the DB's coach, they, they picked two. You know, you can say safety quarterback, but Tory and Gray at South Carolina got an 80 also. An 80 is four and a half, but barely, barely stars. You might be like, Lou, you're being overly harsh. And I'd be like, well, duh, what else is new? Second team, Kirby Smart, 94. And then of note, because I'm not going through everyone. Second team, OC was Lane Kiffin, 81. And DC was Pete Golden at 75. And it's funny, 75 is four stars, but at Alabama, when you're a four star, you're not a big deal anymore because Alabama has five stars, what, four per class? So in any cycle, you know, any year, they have 16 to 12, yeah, 16 to 12 five stars, or most schools don't have that in a a hundred year stretch. Think about it. Think about it. You're not a big deal if you're a four star at Alabama. You need to be a five-star, four-and-a-half-star, four-and-three-quarter stars. Almost half their program falls into that category. Anyway, but their second-team OC, Lane Kippen. This is Dave Bartu College Football Matrix grading. And Elijah Robinson, D-line coach, 81.17. Fascinating, interesting, awesome stuff. We'll take a break. We'll come back. SEC Media Days live 
on the Louis Bolina Show. This week, it's the coaches, and Lane Kiffin always has something to say, and we'll listen in next on the Louis Bolina Show from inside the Charles Schwab Studio. The Louis Bolina Show, presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. Time now, SEC Media Days. This is week one. We're going to listen in to all the coaches the Aggies are going to square off against. Time now, this is Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss head coach. Greg Sankey does the intro for all the coaches. Good afternoon again. Is this on? Are we on? Hello. There we go. Been up here enough. I know what it sounds like when it's working and not working. Lane Kiffin's coaching resume includes 10 conference championships, eight bowl victories, four Heisman winners, and three national championships. Last year, he led Ole Miss to a 10-win season. Uh, the University of Mississippi's second Sugar Bowl since 2015. He is the first Ole Miss coach to win his first two Egg Bowls since Billy Brewer did the same in 1983-84. As I was beside a lake in upstate New York on a phone looking longingly at the ability to be on the water, Lane was texting me pictures of he and his son Knox fishing and he and his pet lab Juice on a jet ski. You may be aware that Deadspin has named Juice as the best Twitter account in sports for the summer of 2022. University of Mississippi head football coach Lane Kiffin. Saw it coming, saw a driver suddenly pull in front of me and slam on his brake. This is the Louis Molina Show. Again, Lane Kiffin, SEC Media Days, coming up now. All right, thanks, Commissioner. Uh, Excited to be here. You know, I always think that uh, this kind of re-energizes, refreshes you about the season coming up. Uh, here in the middle of the summer, you know, as you see other players, other coaches, or even as the TV was on before uh, coming up here um, on SEC Network and just kind of remind you that it's right around the corner. So our, our, our job is, um, I think, really challenging this year uh, because on paper we may look, you know, like we should be decent because we filled a lot of holes with transfer portals. So that is a good system when you lose really good players and you haven't been somewhere long enough to develop a lot of classes of depth. So we are grateful for that. But at the same time, with everything good, there are challenges as well. And you have people coming from, you know, like I've said, kids coming from different parenting and we got to put them all together uh, as a splendid family. So that is challenging. And, and in fall camp, it won't just be about teaching X's and O's. Um, like it always is, you know, we have a lot of culture work to do that you don't really have to do as much because it's already established because your best players normally have been in your program for a year or two. So look forward to that challenge. All right. Thank you, Coach. If you have a question, please raise your hand. Jack, Jake, or Preston, we'll get a microphone to you. Again, please put the microphone up close to your mouth so we can hear you and give your name and affiliation. Coach, we're going to start right here in the center about halfway back. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, Lane, Michael Cascarande, AL.com. Just wondering your philosophy on calling trick plays when you do them, and what do you remember about Nick Saban and his philosophy on that? Well, like Kirby Smart used to say, sometimes you come up here and just end up 
talking about Alabama. So our first question somehow is about Nick Saban. So that's pretty usual. Um, trick plays. I, I don't this is the Louis Bellina Show. It is presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. That was Lane Kiffin. That was not uh, Lane Kiffin that we really wanted to listen to. So what we're going to do. You know what we're going to do? We're going to carry on. 979-693-1150. 979-693-1150. Technical difficulties are technical difficulties. And guess what? Life goes on. Here on the Louis Bellina Show, SEC Media Days, week number one. Coaches. We're going to listen to the coaches the Aggies are going to square off. Week number two, the players the Aggies will square off against. And week number three, the people that cover the different teams the Aggies will go against. The insiders. I love that phrase, the insiders, and the information they have to share, too. So SEC Media Days last for like three weeks here on the Louis Bellina Show. I, I just fully get into the season is here. And by the time we're done with our version of SEC Media Days, guess what? Players have reported, and then we listen into Aggie football, fall camp, in, in their words. You know, Jimbo will meet with the media and tell us nothing. And then the players will meet with us and, you know, some of them have something to say. So that's how we do fall camp because long time ago, me spending two to three hours talking about the 15 minutes of practice that the media can watch, I, I vetoed that concept a long time ago. Man, they look the fastest they've ever looked. You could tell this team's just bigger. And they're in helmets and shorts, and I just I can't do that with a straight face. I, can't, I, I it's not possible for me, not the universe I live in. Nine seven nine six nine three one one five zero. You can light up the Texas Mobile and Loop Express inbox. We are starting to get into we're not final answers. We're like forty something days away from kick off the college football season, but it's time to quit thinking, and it's almost time to start answering. A lot of the questions. I know I saw about 50, 60 different previews of burning questions heading into SEC media days. Top 10 questions for the SEC entering the season. And all of them are speculations, but nobody wants to throw an answer out there. Here on the Louis Bellina Show, once we had August, Braden Gall will be back. Mitch Light will be back. Cedric Golden will be back. We're going to start answering. Does change catch up to Nick Saban at some point? Through 2022, Saban had made 11 coordinator changes at Alabama. And every change he made were actually upgrades until the last pair. Until he went with O'Brien and Golden. And the thing is, and it blows my mind, everybody kind of knew that those were bad hires, but Nick Saban. And that's one of those things about the level of success he's had. It's very hard for him to question himself. Think about it. Okay, Nick Saban's success rate, would you say it's 96%, 97%, or 95%? How can he question himself when he has the data, when he has the skins on the wall, one of the phrases I hate the most? How can he question himself when he's been that successful? But both, not one, both hires were consensus bad hires. 
And what I don't get the most is offensively, but yet I get it. Wait a minute, Lou. You just said you don't get it the most. You get it. Nick Saban was running the most high-profile, prolific offense from, well, Lane Kiffin and then Loxley and then Sark. And all three were up-tempo. They were Lambert freaking Guineas, man, and Ferraris. And Nick Saban hated it. When he, even when he knew he had to do it, he hated it. And Bill O'Brien was his attempt to get back to, not all the way, I, I do want to be clear, he, he wasn't going to go back to the good old days. But I, I want to say he wanted to integrate the run game back. He didn't say why. Maybe he thought that's why they didn't win every national championship. But I think that was him lying to himself because he just wants to run the ball. He's always wanted to run the ball, and he's hooked on the run. So he wanted to integrate the run game back in because he just likes to run the ball, even though he knew he had to stop running the ball to win national championships. So he hired Lane Kiffin. Like, he did everything he had to do, and that's why he's brilliant. He's the greatest, but he can only hold out so long. And Bill O'Brien was, again, putting a regulator on a guinea or a Ferrari, right? And and it's like everyone knew Bill O'Brien was the wrong answer. You had Bryce Young, and you didn't make the college football playoff for two years. You had the Heisman Trophy winner. You had the number one overall draft pick, right? And you didn't. And that's unheard of at Alabama. And, and it's why. Bill O'Brien. Don't talk to me about his efficiency. Don't show me the baby. Throw out the bathwater. How does this saying work? I don't even know. I've never used it. Even a blind acorn finds a squirrel with no nuts. I don't know how this works. But it was awful. And the golding thing was, I think that Saban, because Saban's always worked with all his coordinators, but like with Kirby Smart, he didn't interfere. And Look, do I know this is fact. I'm just telling you what I've heard from the Alabama side. But with golding, like Saban never trusted him. And when the whole program knows it, why do the players? Why does anyone? And... It just didn't work because of that. It takes more than one year with Saban and his coordinators the same page, though. I'll tell you that. The Nice hire at Notre Dame, was it desperation? Because that's what it smelt of because the way it played out. I'm going to be honest. and with Petrino smelled like desperation because they already tried to hire him once and he took another job since then. And a you know, didn't get the two or three other coordinators and they went back to him. Thing is, and that's Nice feels like, okay, Alabama didn't get their top two choices. But Nice is not as restrictive as O'Brien, but he's sure not Loxley and Sark and uh, uh, Kiffin either. And it's and that's like that is like Saban still saying, we can't be just, but yet I want to. But not as bad as Bill O'Brien. That's what it feels like. Maybe someone like Phil Longo would be brilliant at Alabama. Big play oriented, but still will never abandon the run. I don't know. I don't know. That's We're going too many steps down the line there. These SEC media... Does Bobby Petrino have the answers for Texas A&M? Yes. I don't think there's anyone that actually doubts... If Bobby Petrino has the answers, if Bobby Petrino can average 30-plus points, if Bobby Petrino can score at a and Bobby, Bobby Petrino, that's a slam dunk. The only question is, 
Does Bobby Petrino call the plays? Is the offense Bobby Petrino's? What is the level of involvement? And every head coach has a right to be involved on both sides of the balls. And it just comes down to, and we've heard of the offensive coaches interfering with the DCs, and it doesn't work. Do y'all think Will Muschamp's really just the worst coach ever? He's not. The problem with Will Muschamp, he can't stop interfering on the side of the balls. He doesn't even know how to evaluate to make a good hire on the offensive side of the ball. He's such a defensive coach. That's what this all comes down to. Now, i got to take a break. Yes, I do. And when we return, our monthly beer recommendations. And I can tell you right now, I'm already thirsty. This is the Louis Bolina Show, and I am inside the Charles Schwab studio. The Louis Bolina Show. It is presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. The Louis Bolina Show Wednesday. And you know, a couple of times a month, we head out to the Smoothie King Hotline, and we hang out with our beer master general. I'm talking about Alan Ward. Brigadoon Brewery. Alan, how's summer life treating you, my brother? Summer's doing great. Now you got me hungry for the Wiener Schnitzel Polish sandwich. Dude, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Wiener Schnitzel what sandwich? You said sandwich and schnitzel? Well, no, we have a Polish. It's a Wiener Schnitzel Polish sandwich. It's a, it's a Polish hot dog, slice and a half on rye bread with Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, and mustard. I'm 100% in on this story. I And it's not a joke. I am going to Wiener Schnitzel. Basically, I'm done here today at 1. I'll probably be on the way to the Schnitzel at about 110, no later then. Heading north on uh, Texas Avenue. It's on the right-hand side, just about a block and a half past the McDonald's before you get to Chicken Express. It's not scary, is it? It's not like a bombed-out shelter or anything. I mean, I'm not going to no. be at the drive-thru and be scared, am I? I wasn't scared. I've been there several times. Okay, look, I trust everyone that's texted. Quite a few have. I trust you. They've got a hot dog day special. Today's National Hot Dog Day. And for me, hot dog and what? Beer. That is the good life. And I'm a simple man. You have our monthly beer recommendations, which always bring a smile to my face. Let us start with a city I almost have never heard of when it comes to craft brewing, but your first recommendation is from San Antonio, Texas, a nice little lager from, well, where else? Alamo Brewing, the Shotgun AG Lager. Yeah, this would go good with your hot dog today. This is a nice, crisp um, lager. This is an Aggie lager. It's got a good digging sip on the front of it. It's crisp. It's clean. I really enjoy drinking this. This is a good Nice, easy going lager. I gave it a 4.26 overall. It's got a nice, just clean flavor to it. And it's really when you sit down and enjoy it and have a good time with it, it's got nice, all fills and malt. You can taste that. The German, probably Hertzberger malt uh, hops in there. He's a lager yeast in there, German lager yeast. It is really well done. And it comes in both a, a Gigam can and I heard a Longhorn can, but it can't be as good as a Longhorn can, I'm sure. No, I'd buy all the Longhorn cans and then throw them off a cliff. That would be my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I really enjoy this beer. It comes in a pint-sized beer. It is an excellent beer from Alamo Brewing. I highly recommend it. Outstanding. So get the maroon and white version. And you gave it total rating 4.26. And the, those that don't know, first time they've heard you here, maybe they're new to Bryan College Station this summer, our monthly beer recommendations, you grade... On style, look, smell, taste, mouthfeel, which equals the total total rating, and it ends up as a one to five scale. So anything that's a four or higher is actually excellent. 
Yeah, four and high is fantastic. And actually, in reality, you get a three, you've got above 50%. So then, in the Major League Baseball, that more, you know, 50%, you're doing great. But uh, four, four point above is really fantastic. It's really hard for me to give out a, a five. It, it, you gotta, I gotta have a, a, a clairvoyant moment of God when I drink this beer. So, so fives, which is the max, don't come easy. Anything that's four or higher, though, that's outstanding. That's just a two thumbs up. If anybody wants to check out all of the beer recommendations, you can go to brigadoonbrewery.com and click July Beer Review. It's kind of simple. Maybe over the weekend you forget, and, you know, the weekend's a long way from now, plus people just tend to forget. Maybe two weeks from now you're looking for beer recommendations. Go to Brigadoon brewery.com and click on july beer review next up we go to prison huntsville texas it's a blonde and it's a bearcat blonde from lucky 19 they like to make a new brewery at huntsville texas and they've done a great job with it. it's a simple blonde uh crystal the vienna malt inside there it's really clean flavor to it another good summer beer little high alcohol content five percent uh, 15 IBUs, so there's almost zero hops in this one at all. It is a really, really good, just clean, wholesome blonde. Yeah. This type of temperature right now, this one and, and, and the shotgun uh, Aggie Lager is what you want to have. These two are good quality beers. This one I really like, and since I'm a Sam graduate, i got to say yay for it. Uh, my money went to a I went to Sam. Now, you did say Bearcat Blonde, so this is like the official beer of Sam Houston <laughs> State? Correct. They have bought they uh, pay for the right Lucky 19 has, and they're all Sam graduates there. <clears throat> they have licensed it out. It's the official Bearcat Blonde for San Diego State University, uh, and this is a really good tailgate beer. It's a light body beer, easy session beer. So we've got an Aggie beer, Shotgun Ag Lager from Alamo Brewing. We now have a Bearcat, Sam Houston State beer, the Bearcat Blonde from Lucky 19 in Huntsville. We now go to Humble, Texas. We continue with the school theme, and they have a Hall Pass Kolsch from Ingenious Brewing. Yeah, Ingenious has a lot of strange stuff out there. Uh, they have a Smarty Bramble, which tastes like a sweet tart. Like, I'm not that kind of a drinker. Uh, I'm more of an older crowd. But they have the Hall Pass Kolsch. I had it both on tap at the, at the, at the uh, brewery there. <clears throat> I had it in can. Of course, in tap, always better, no matter where you're at. But this is a nice, clean Kolsch. And to me, summertime screens Kolsch. You got a nice mellow beer. It's clear. It's got a clear, crisp taste to it. It's 5.5% alcohol, 25 top. It's, it's really easy going. And unknown to my thoughts there, you're right. We can't stay with the, uh, with the school, school streaming there. But this is a good beer, and I really enjoy it. Kolsch's are fascinating to me. They're like potato salad. I would tell you I love potato salad, but I don't love all potato salad. I'm picky about the potato salad, but I do love potato salad. And a Kolsch, some I love, I will drink, and it's everything you say, and others just come off wrong. They're very hit or miss for me. Yeah, that's a very good analogy across the potato I'm the same way. Uh, you go to all kind of events in the summertime expression, and there's always potato salad there. And I'm very, very picky on what potato salad I will and will not eat. And I'm okay right now. I'm a mustard-based kind of guy. I like mustard and mayonnaise, both in my potato salad, uh, pickles in there. But you're right. Colchins are the, are the potato salad of the beer industry. There are some great cultures out there. And some cultures that go, why'd you do this? Why would you waste ingredients? This one's a well done. Again, a 4.1 overall. 
And by the way, every beer so far has gotten a four grade or higher. So they're all, these are the drink. These are the go get you some. Next up, you've mentioned Back Pew Brewing before, and they're in Porter, Texas, an IPA, and it's Bobby's IPA. I hope Bobby will share some. Bobby's a great guy. He owns back to you. Uh, I will say up front, I love their center box, one of the best boxers are out there. Uh, he's got his IPA, and they do a centers and saint kind of lineup where they either a center side or a saint lineup. I'm not sure how it falls because it's not on their website, but this has got Maris Otter with a crystal malt face to it. It's got a nice bitterness, a little finish to it, thin finish to it, but it's nice finish. Hot players with Dick and Cascade, which I love Cascade. It's dry hot with some citrus with ants. Uh, but it's an interesting beer. Seven point three percent alcohol. It's a little higher alcohol content here. Six six IBUs. Easy drinking. Again, four across the board. Um, it is probably on the upper end of uh, of IPAs until you get into the uh, what I would call double IPAs. I would prefer. <laughs> okay. And your final <laughs> beer recommendation is uh, out of Austin, Texas, and it is the. Uh, latest fad of IPAs. I say latest. What are we, three years now, probably? But yeah. a hazy IPA from Thirsty Planet Brewing. Great name, and I think the name's even better, but Fat Bat. Yeah, I'm not a hazy IPA person up front. I really hope we get out of this phase. Uh, this one here, I'm not sure what's causing the all flavor for me, but it's got a lot of berries in it, and it's got uh, some uh, stone fruit. And I'm not a big fan of stone fruit. It's not a badly made beer, though. It's 5.8% alcohol, 35 IBUs. I gave it 3.7 across the board because I was trying not to be unfair to it. Uh, this, as the hazy goes, is, is okay, but I can't get past the stone fruit. And it's just me, I'm sure. But if you like stone fruit, this is a hazy IPA for you. What do you do if you don't even know what stone fruit is? Do you admit it to the public? Or do you go, sure. oh, yeah, just nod your head and go, yes, yeah, stone fruit. I don't know, no. If I don't have any ingredients, I'll tell you I have no idea what this is, and I have to look them up sometimes. I've had stone fruit and other things. Uh, and I do like, um, i got a culinary background based on my own desire to cook, uh, so I'm really strong in culinary arts. I do try to taste all the ingredients I can out there. I'm the kind of guy that goes and buys things at the grocery store just to see what they taste like. Uh, but stone fruit has a little funky flavor to me, and I just don't go that direction with it with the fruit flavor. Uh, it's kind of dragon fruit. Dragon fruit's a little better than stone fruit, but um, stone fruit's got a little off. It's just me, I guess. It's just my personal flavor. I, I don't like broccoli either. So. I have found that any fruit that tells me it's a fruit doesn't taste good. I love blueberry. I love strawberry. I love peaches. Dra- you know, dragon passion fruit. Dragon. Fr- if it's fruit in the towel, I tend to not be a fan of it. Yeah, I can see that. And you got peaches. Uh, all set got a peach beer out right now. I had, had, had a little flavor the other day. It's pretty good. Now, get from this next next interview for next month. I'll try and get a can of it. To me, probably a little bit of flavor, like a little bit of half an ounce sample. I'm like, wow, what's that? Uh, but I'll, I'll review that next week or next month, I should say. And you're right. I like fruit. I'm just not a big one on stone fruit. And, you know, I guess you're right. If you got to tell me the fruit, I, I shouldn't have to eat it. I don't know. The mayor don't want it. It's just self identifies itself, shouldn't it? This is a hardcore pass on your part, man. <laughs> You're making it clear that you usually go, you know, I'll try it at the brewery. You have all these things that you'll, you know, I mean, maybe it's just a bad batch. You're being very clear about your stone fruit feelings here. Well, it has stone fruit flavor to it. That's like a 3.7. It's done okay. 
I'm not a big hazy fan. I have the ace style to start with, but it tastes like stoneproof berries. I'm not a stoneproof fan, so guess what? So we're going to move on because I feel for you right now. There's a lot of pain in this story, a lot of a lot of pain on this one. At what, at what point does a beer style stop being a fad and become base? I, I mean, what beers have done that before? Because, you know, AZ IPA is only three years. I know that's too short. But if we're three years from now and it's six years, hazy IPA has become a staple. Because, like, everywhere is a hazy IPA. Everyone makes one. But that's three years is still a fad. How long does it take to cross from fad to normal? I think you cross five, six years, you're down to normal. And I'm still convinced hazy IPAs made by accident by somebody. And they say, hey, it's hazy. Yeah, it's supposed to be. And I tell people all the time that the brewery that we make for hazy IPA like 10 years ago, we figured out the problem. We stopped it. Uh, I like good, clear quality of my beer. And to haze it up intentionally to me is just, it's tough. Now, there are some good hazy ones out there. And this is flat bat, not juicy, which is good. Uh, but, I, man, I think maybe maybe 10 years would be a maybe i don't know that's a long time that is that's a long time and boy what was there a last beer that lasted 10 years as a fad to cross over you know i can't think of me that was last fad maybe the newest fad i would say in brewing and beer is seltzers and that kind of return back to the malt beverages of zima stuff i don't know if that's a new fad or not um Maybe it's less. Hazy is going to be staying here. I will say this. Most people are making them. And there's more people going back to making blondes and lagers, which I am glad to hear. Because I think it's a core base of all beer, which should be at. Um, and I, I like a wide variety of flavors. But I really like to see this going back to the lagers. When you look at Almo, they got the lager, that baggy lager. And it's got uh, 19, uh, Lucky 19 with the, the blonde bear cat. And then Genius the Coach. These are standard style beers. Uh, and maybe blonde. Blonde's an American invention. So that's, that's maybe that's the, the last big invention, the big fat is made. Because in Europe, you don't get blonde, you get lagers. And blonde is that basically a pilsner or a style made with a hail yeast, is what it is. But lagers are more costly to brew because they take up so long, they take up space. Is that right? Yes. It's tank time problem. But ale can be done in two weeks in a tank. And it goes to package goods, and usually sits another two weeks to age a little bit, mature. Whereas a lager, minimum six to eight weeks, and some can be longer. So it's a tank time, and tank time is expensive. That's that's real estate. You've got to reuse. So every brewery's got to get X amount of tanks. Uh, so they get that's very valuable. And then how long you need that tank up? So it's got to return on profit, and it's got to return sales. And smaller breweries have not been able to do that because this. this the real estate is too tough. We do a logger at Brigadoon every now and then. Our logger, our space is so tough. Um, but generally, we'll brew it in the summertime and we'll release it in the fall. But yeah, you know, six to eight weeks is a long time in a tank. When I could have done three other you know, batches, three, three or four ales, yeah. Wow. Alan, I got to let you go, but there's a text message that I must share with you. It's from Ray in South Texas. He says, Howdy. Appreciate the hot dog discussion. Being of Polish descent, I'm going to try your recommendation, then take a trip to Alamo Brewery, Ray in South Texas. Oh, awesome. Hey, that's great. Alamo Brewery, if you get a chance to go out there, they built a new brewery five years ago, maybe. Uh, and it's really nice. It's really nice. Got inside and outside area, I highly recommend visiting there. You'll, you'll like it. They have great beers on tap. 
They have a few beers on tap, only available on tap, but they go a really nice brewery stuff now. <laughs> Alan, be amazing. Thank you always. Stay cool as much as you can. There's nothing like boiling stuff, you know, in the middle of the summer. You brewers have oh, yeah. it the best, brother. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate it. Be amazing. Thank you always. Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery. He's our beer master general. Alan Ward of Brigadoon Brewery joining us on the Smoothie King Hotline a couple of times a month, and that was our monthly beer recommendations. The Louis Bellina Show, kind of down the stretch we come. The Louis Bellina Show, of course, presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. Tomorrow, SEC Media Days continue. Nick Saban, he'll be two parts. When Nick speaks, we're obviously going to listen. Tomorrow, Hugh Freeze. Tomorrow, Rusty Burson, 105, inside the Charles Schwab studio. Aggie historian. And also Bryce Jones. We go in the pit thanks to Dixie Tire Company. Man, Thursday's kind of going to rock, isn't it? When we join together tomorrow, the 151st Open Championship will have begun. I don't talk a lot of golf. I used to talk golf all the time. But, eh, people don't mind a little. People don't mind a little golf. People don't mind a little, little hockey. I am a golf fan. Of course, the majors are special and magical. The Open Championship, some call it the British Open, but, you know, it's the Open Championship. It's at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. It's been completely... Completely. It's been had a makeover since the last time the Open Championship was there. Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite, but Royal Rory McIlroy is on a nine-year drought with major championships, but his game is in form. You have the defending Open champion Cameron Smith teeing off with U.S. Open champion Wyndham Clark and Clark and Xander Schauffele. That's a power trio. World number one, Scotty Scheffler, is with Tommy Fleetwood and Adam Scott. That's a must-follow. And listen to this. Rory is going to be with John Rahm, who's the Masters champion, and former world number one, Justin Rose, who's always a threat to finishing the top five or ten. Some great Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas. I would follow them. I wouldn't follow any group with Jordan Spieth in it. So t- tonight, this morning, our time, the 151st Open Championship begins. I, I love the U.S. Open the most. I want minus four to win it. Didn't like this year. The score was too high. But the Open Championship, the Masters is a little bit down the list. And, and to be clear, and I still love the Masters with an undying, unending passion. But I like the other majors a little bit more. It's Masters finishes third on my list. We've got Astros baseball at 140. Thanks to Kelly Burt Dozer. Astros trying to bounce back from a 4-3 loss to the Rockies last night. Both teams scored three in the first, and then there's one run combined through the last eight. Ah, that Astros offense. By the way, hottest name trade rumor for the Astros, Dylan Cease of the White Sox, who last year had a 2.20 ERA. This year it's 4.34, but the White Sox have the worst defense in all of Major League Baseball. And the Texas Rangers are crushing it to start the week with two dubs 
up Tampa Bay, the alleged best team in baseball. Not so fast. Hold my beer. Texas have taken the first two in the series. I'm back tomorrow. Peace, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.